everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we have been talking forever about joining legendary destinations in Florida for Pesach, and finally, finally, that day has arrived. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m., right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine, coming to you. From the home of the Nachum Seal Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by my handy-dandy partner, Avrami. What's doing, Avram? Uh, things are good. Our Pesach <laughs> cleaning is almost uh, done. I'm a little giddy, i got to be honest uh, with you. I'm going to have to settle down. Yeah, the Pesach cleaning is almost done, and yep. the uh, matzah has been purchased. Everything. I think we're we're about you know, a high 80% ready. Nice. And since there's what, how many days left of Pesach? You know, it's, we are, we're, we're counting backwards. It's uh, just a couple of days left, and we are... Um, we will be thinking about you and your family. Not so much. Okay. Listen, <laughs> as we are down in Florida, Nahum and I um, and our families are very much looking forward to joining Legendary Destinations. They have been wonderful partners for the last number of months. Um, their their preparation has been impeccable. They have seen to every single detail, and we can't wait to be a part of it. Um, please, God, starting Sunday afternoon, looking forward. Did I tell you I'm driving down with my family? No. Why yes. would you do that? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something that we've always discussed doing, and actually we're leaving this afternoon, um, wow. spending the spending Shabbos down south, making a, an opportunity out of it, and uh, then finishing the drive very early Sunday morning. So we are looking forward to it, and please God, I will be in Savannah for Shabbos. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's excellent. I actually once did a road trip with friends down there. Yeah. We actually stayed in, we visited Savannah, but we, uh, we stayed for Shabbos in North Carolina by this woman who just took borders in for Shabbos. Who took in strays. Yeah, you just called up, she would have people, and at the end of Shabbos, she has everyone sign the uh, guest book and everything. That's really cute. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, my family of eight is not dropping by anybody else's house, just Stamazai for Shabbos. We do not go anywhere unannounced, shall I say. If you're a new listener to the show, by the way, thank you for taking a break to tune in. And if you are returning listeners, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Amy Dobin did. Friend me on Facebook, send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NachumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. Not being rude, just being honest. Um, but I will, please God, get back to you afterwards. And hey, please God, by the time Pesach is over, I will not sound nasal anymore because it's been going on for a number of weeks. This is the cold that will not end. Uh, please also follow us on Twitter, NachumSiegelNet, all one word, and Miriam L. Wallach. Also on all one word. Let's go to our favorite segment. What does the fortune cookie say? This is my last fortune cookie before Pesach. I, I, this better be special. This better be like no pressure fortune cookie, but there's a lot riding on this. All right, hold on. Oh, that's so nice. Be yourself and you'll feel at home anywhere. And you're going away for Pesach. And so I'm going perfect. away for Pesach. Yes, I am. And truth of the matter is, is that I usually do feel at home anywhere I go, so... That's both a curse and a blessing, if you think about it. Uh, let's do some national holidays. It's National Farm Animals Day, Avram. Did not know how to celebrate that, so I let that go. It's National Sibling Day, so shout-out to uh, my sibs. No shout-out for you, Avram? You don't, don't want to say hi to your sibs? Hi, sibs. Okay, that was that was loving. Um, it's National uh, Alcohol... You put me on the spot. Well, okay, I always do that. It's National Alcohol Screening Day. Not sure what that means. Salvation Army Founders Day, and it's also Safety Pin Day. Yes, it is safety pin day. I want you to know, by the way, and take this, take this as a moment. Um, I pin my socks every morning when I come back from the gym. Do you want to know why? So you don't lose them. That's right. So I don't lose them. And if my kids would only pin their own socks. My parents used to always make us do that when we lived at home. Really? Yeah. Oh, I It hasn't wish. really carried over. Why? It's such a great thing. Then the sock monster doesn't eat sometimes one of my socks. Sometimes it gets rust. You ever notice how some of the, where the pin is, sometimes it gets a little bit of rust on no. the sock over and not time? only do I not notice that, but then, dude, buy another sa- box of safety pins. I mean, yeah, it's... 79 cents for the box of 100. Or when you get your skirts back from the dry cleaner, that's how they attach them to the hanger. Uh, yeah, so if you need any safety pins, I, I have plenty. So actually, I celebrate National Safety Pin Day every single day. That's not impressive? That's it's all right. It's the Pesach thing it, with Legendary Destinations is more impressive. Yeah, I'm excited about that. By the way, something that I forgot to mention in last week's show that I want to pick up on this week's show when we were talking um, about the silent disco last week and about the Harosset-flavored ice cream. I just want to tell you that one thing I realized between that show and this show is that this is going to be the first year in possibly my entire life that I'm not eating my father's charoset on Pesach. And I have not yet figured out how to make that not happen. 
He can't send you some or get you some? Or? Well, my dad's in Miami, and Daddy, if you're listening to this, please do not drive to Fort Myers. That would be awesome if he did. He would. Or, or he shipped would. it to you, sh- overnight shipping or some sort of courier or something? Yeah, if I wasn't driving down and I was, like, flying on a plane, I would just take it in my bag. But that's not the case. I'm not driving down with the Chorosa. Plus, the Chorosa's already in Florida. That's the problem. I also realized that there is a place that would make Marar ice cream. I don't know if they are now, but it's something within the realm of possibility, and that's Max and Minna's in Queens. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. So if somebody would make it, it would be them. That is that is true. Anybody who's going to make corn ice cream can also make Marar ice cream. That is 100% true. All right. Anyway, we have a full show ahead of us, so we're going to have to get to our first guest. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And just the other day, the um, OU, I thought, oh, actually, it was last week already. My gosh, time flies. The OU had announced that they were extending their hours for the kosher hotline in preparation for Passover, for Pesach. Or Passover is what the um, press release had said. But Rabbi Ellie Elef is the OU kosher rabbinic coordinator and consumer relations administrator. He is on the phone right now. Good morning, Rabbi Elef. Good morning. How are you? I am well. Thank you for joining me. Um, so tell me where the uh, the idea came from. I mean, you know, it, it makes me think of the Butterball hotline that happens around Thanksgiving. Um, but tell me where the concept came from uh, came from for the hotline in the first place, and then what made the OU extend it. The concept of the hotline really developed just overall close to 15 years ago when consumers had questions in general about kosher and, and OU certified products. As such, at that point in time, the OU senior management felt it necessary to hire a full-time rabbi to man the hotline so that we could then better interface with the consumers who had questions. That's developed over time, and we realized that one of the times of the year that the hotline is extremely busy is right before Pesach. Uh, our phones start running off the hook right now. I just checked our queue system where we have two people answering the phone right now is running at about uh, you know 17 calls in the queue so far. And that's at any given time. So we have two full right now the week before Pesach. We've got two to three full-time people answering the hotline. I've got another two or three people that are answering emails as we speak. As a matter of fact, even here at my desk, I'm getting, a, I'm getting screenshots of all the various operations that are in play. Unbelievable. So, so what we've seen is that Pesach is the uh, time of year when everyone's got questions. Even if you didn't call during the year, you might have questions now. So we developed a game plan to interface and with the consumer before Pesach and to provide needed services. What then developed was that people's Pesach questions didn't stop with business hours. Mm. And especially when it came time for Arab Pesach, there were things that came up, emergencies that came up, things like that. The decision was made by Rabbi Ganak and Rabbi Elephant, and this is already probably going about a decade ago, that the hotline should be open on Arab Pesach for a few hours, usually until about Chatzos, which would then allow people to get the last-minute questions in. It, the, Pesach definitely, as a person who has made Pesach for years, and this is actually the first time in a decade that um, I am not making Pesach in my home, but Pesach in general instills fear. It makes people nervous. Uh, that could be just there's a lot of work that goes involved. Right. Even if you're fully comfortable, but just you're never sure because everything has to be kashered over. You need to get new ingredients. So it's just one of those times here that never, no one's ever quite sure are they doing exactly what's supposed to be done. So Again, the OU Castro's hotline is really there to help them. But what we really saw was that the phone line spiked. Our website number spiked. We get up to about 100,000 visitors right around this time of year, unique wow. visitors. Wow. So it's really unbelievable. So what actually happened was about three years ago, we were reviewing the data from Erev Pesach, and I actually happened to have been helping, assisting on Erev Pesach with some of the other rabbis that were answering the line. And we got calls about other products that were certified by other agencies. Mm. And they Oopsie said, daisies. And yeah. said, well, <laughs> this is the OU. We only have information on OU certified products. I said, why don't you contact whatever that agency might be? And they said, we called the agency, and they said they're closed until after Pesach. Oh. So we realized uh-huh. even then and there that people will turn to the OU for their help with regards to everything that comes to Pesach. Right. Obviously, we can't help them with regards to other agency products, but we try to help as much. So we decided then to extend our hours, especially last year, because Pesach fell out on a Monday night like it does this year. So that meant the last time that consumers would have a chance to call would be Friday, a full four days before Pesach. Right, and so many things can go wrong before then. Correct. So we decided to test it last year, and we opened up the hotline on Sunday as well. And unfortunately, we were not able to take everyone's call who called in. Our Mm. lines were just running off the hook. We were open for two or three hours last year, same thing this year, but they were open from 10 to 12 on this coming Sunday. 
and uh, just the lines running off the hook, and we could not answer all the calls that came in. Unbelievable. So that's really where we are today, and that's why we put out this press release as well, to let the public know that coming this Sunday we are open from 10 to 12 with their questions, and also on Monday from 10 till 1 uh, p.m. So even after you can't eat chametz anymore, the OU is still open answering questions. Correct, and you wouldn't believe the questions we've had um, over the past couple of years, especially in our Pesach, we've gotten calls from chaplains at hospitals where they've got patients uh, that refuse to take their medications. Wow. We've gotten calls from other countries. Uh, last year alone, I got a couple calls from England and Belgium of emergency things that came up. They used an OU product. They did trade up their things. And I'm scrambling because it might be 1030 here, but they're about to make Pesach over there within the next you know, hour or so. Right. So we should, first of all, clarify that this is 1 p.m. Eastern time. This Correct. Is a, all right. So that's, <laughs> that's an important detail. That I didn't, that I neglected to, uh, that I neglected to include. It's actually not in the press release, but, um, as I'm looking at it now, but that's an important detail. So till 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, you can call the OU. That number is 212-613-8241 with any of your pre-Pesach questions, conundrums, situations, etc. And truth be told, when I think about it, every single year, I definitely asked either different Shilas or probably repeated Shilas that I had asked the year before, simply because even though I took notes and wrote things down, not everything can be remembered year to year. Right. So that's, you know, what what comes up. We had other issues. I remember two years ago I got a call out of Pesach um, from a Lubavitcher Shliach out in Poland. Really? And they were trying to make a Seder, and they realized there was a couple of the Bachram that had gone out there, and they couldn't find anything for Mara. <gasps> That's so ironic. We, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, you know, we had to actually send them to a different Rav who I was able to get a hold of to deal with them. Just I didn't have time uh, to answer the question in full based upon just our sheer call volume. At wow. that point in time, when he called in, I think I had 20 people on hold <gasps> that were Un- waiting to, to ask their questions. Unbelievable. So when you're sitting there, so you man the phones with whom else? Um, we I man the phone together with the whole team. Um, Rabbi Tui Nussbaum is our primary hotline operator. Uh, who is also a Mayra Hira and Rebbe on Muncie. He's here full-time at OU, and so he does the primary, and then we have a whole backup. I'm available, as well as about the 15 other Rabbanim who will handle the calls at any given time. And what Sfarim are sitting around you at that very moment, in case there's something you need to look up? So primarily, we have the OU's directory uh, for Pesach. <laughs> Not a well-known safer, but it should be, yeah. Um, that that That's primarily it. Otherwise, Truth of the matter is we may have to call somebody back and take the number, or we've already learned halach and it's simple to answer. To complicate the shadows, unfortunately, we don't have time. Right. We've got, we're trying to get through. We average about another call every 50 seconds or so that we have to take. Wow. So that doesn't really give us a long time to run to this farm shrunk and start <laughs> looking up all the uh, all the intricate halachas that are involved. Where? We do, oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. No problem. We do have other rabbis that are available. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll shift the call to them. Other times we will have them uh, call us back. Other times we will encourage them to speak to their own personal rav. Right. And that there is no substitution for that. We're here to help, but we're not a replacement for a person's personal rav. As we like to say, consult your local rabbi. Correct. That is always important. Right. The OU is not trying to take away the importance of the communal rabbi. Not in, not in the least bit. But the hotline is like the red phone, you know, during the Cold War. That's the that's the that's the call that you need to make. In an emergency situation or that last-minute question that you need answered. Right. I would also point out that we may not necessarily have the answers everyone's looking for. Well, I've gotten, that... <laughs> I've gotten calls in the past, or other people have gotten calls and they've referred them, or we've discussed them after Pesach. Um, for example, somebody used a margarine that wasn't certified for Pesach, so now we have to go figure out: can they use? Do they have to throw out their whole brisket? Is oh. there a way to salvage a brisket? We might not have the information because it might require us going back to the plant level, uh, contacting the mashkichim, reviewing formulas and things like that, which there is no way that that can physically get done on our Pesach. Right. Well, I thought you were going to say to me, sometimes you ask a Shiloh, you don't always get the answer that you want, but that's that's the reality. Right. But for the most part, uh, a lot of the questions that come up is verification, if a product is indeed certified for Pesach, medication and nutritional supplement right. questions that come up. And then it's just overall Pesach. Can I have this for Pesach? Is this a problem? Is this not a problem? I've already been asked twice by people as if I'm a, you know, a rabbinic authority, which I am not, and I do not play one on TV either, but um, whether or not Tums are kosher for Pesach. 
unfortunately, Tums are not certified by the OU, so I don't have that information. Ah, so th- you know what? By the way, it's it's a really good thing that Kinwa is now OUP because I'm sure a bunch of questions you've gotten over the years has been about Kinwa. We have, and what really happened is interesting that you bring up Kinwa because uh, a lot of people ask me, well, what happened this year that changed? Nothing really changed, right. but we had never done research into it in the past. In the past, it was felt that Kinwa was a fringe product that didn't have that many people interested in it. None of the companies were requesting quinoa. But then over the last couple of years, as more people have been introduced to quinoa, there's become a demand by consumers for a kosher Pesach quinoa product. Right. I think that I think that, that is a, a really important point to clarify. It's not that quinoa is all of a sudden, you know, the OU is discovering that it is kosher for Pesach. But getting to the level at which the OU could research it, because as far as I understand, it's, part of a plant which is so remotely and, diff- and, and difficult to find that it is an entire process just to get back to stage one of quinoa um, uh, cultivation. I don't even what, know what the right word is. Uh, correct. The, actually, one of the most important factors is the way that it's packaged. Although the quinoa plant itself is, has no relationship to any of the grains, um, it is packed primarily on lines that are used for hummus gumwar. There's wheat, there's barley, things like that that are on the lines. Mm. And we did samplings and testing and found that a lot of it does get mixed up with each other. Interesting. So the only way to certify was to have special Pesach runs for it. And we even tell consumers to say, well, I have another quinoa packet. It doesn't have the OU symbol on it. Can I, the OUP symbol on it, can I use it? Our answer is unfortunately no, because there's so many, not only allergen concerns, but there's a tremendous amount of cross-contamination right. and intermingling of species that it needs to be the kosher Pesach run where we can absolutely verify that there's nothing else in that package except for the quinoa. Wow. A lot involved. A lot involved. Rabbi Elif is the OU Kosher Rabbinic Coordinator and Consumer Relations Administrator. He is one of the people you may speak to when you call the kosher hotline, probably Erev Yuntif, at 212-613-8241. Again, they are open on Monday until 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 212 212- Six one three eight two four one. Rabbi Elf, with only like a minute or two left, what is the craziest phone call that you've gotten in the last number of years? That's an interesting question. Definitely the one that I mentioned before about what to use for Mara when they couldn't find any lettuce or horseradish in the local markets in the middle of Poland. Right. But, That's a good um, one. That's a good one. The craziest one? I wouldn't start. It was your crazy. wife, wasn't it? No, I'm just kidding. Go on. Yeah. Well, she's just telling me that the kids are going crazy and I need to take care of them. <laughs> right. Enough answering other people's questions. Time to right, come home. Yeah. Right. I hear that. Okay. But, all right. I bought you some time. Now, what is the craziest question? I wouldn't call them crazy because each question has its unique merits and everyone has their own needs. Fair. We really try to um, deal with each consumer on a case-by-case basis and provide them what they need. So I wouldn't call any of them crazy. Um, what I would say is that we've definitely got some interesting ones including one where somebody called me that they had forgotten to kosher their appliances and they had to go to work uh, before this man beer, and therefore they want to know what they can do and things like that. And they, didn't, they, were not able, they didn't have a self-clean on their oven, so therefore uh, they weren't able to leave one gum more, so it was slightly problematic in terms of what they could do with their oven. They, they forgot to kosher their appliances? Yep. Okay, I, I guess that person needs a checklist for next year because that would probably be item number one. I like to be down the cops close. It could be that they forgot. It could be that they were they were new to the whole Pesach preparations. It's entirely possible. How many times do we find ourselves in a situation that we thought we had all the time in the world, and we turn around and we've got five minutes to go? Well, I I, I will I will admit that there was one year that it was like I was about to light candles, and there are certain things that I must take care of during the day, even though obviously you can prep on Yontif. But um, I one of the things I'd like to make sure is that everything for the Ka'ara is taken care of. And all of a sudden, I was about to light candles. And plus, I want to clean my stove before Yantif. You know how it is. Um, I had realized I hadn't burned my Zoroa. So that was all of a sudden a shoot. I didn't burn my Zoroa moment. So it's not it's not, not kosher in your ovens, but uh, but I had my own moment. So, you know, it, it's, everyone has their moments, and it really boils down to what's important to the person and what do they think about nothing. And sometimes the situation that came up, last year I got a call from a hospital chaplain, and he had many constituents in the hospital who were refusing to take the medications. Mm. And he called me up in a frantic in a moment and said, can you write me a letter or something like that? I said, it's Arab Pesach. I've got, you know, 30 minutes until, you know, I have to go get my own stuff ready. Right. I said, on top of that, I said, you know, 
based upon the clientele that you're dealing with at the hospital, having a letter from the OU is not going to help. I said, you know, I can try to look up the number to the stop and and maybe he'd be able to help you. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. That is a very interesting phone call, Arab Yontif. Well, again, Rabbi Aleph is the OU Kosher Rabbinic Coordinator and Consumer Relations Administrator. Speak to him if you'd like. Arab Yontif, because the OU's hotline will be open on Monday until 1 p.m. They 1 p.m. Eastern Time. They are open on Sunday from 10 to 12, and that's the April 13th. And on April 14th, Erev Pesach, when the only thing that you're eating are potatoes, you can speak to somebody at the OU and ask them, the, ask them your Shiloh between 10 and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 212-613-8241. Rabbi, a Chag Kosher V'Sameach, and thank you so much for joining me this morning. You too, Chag Kosher V'Sameach. All the best. All the best. Thanks so much. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my next call is actually already on the line. We are not taking a break between callers. We are getting right into it. And uh, he he is speaking to us from Israel. Dove, are you there? I don't hear Dove. I'm here, Maria. There we are. Hello, Dove. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, I am doing well. I just want to introduce everyone to Dove Hearth. Dove is, Dove, what's your exact title? I work in the marketing and development department of the most amazing organization in the world. Yeah, well, I can t- I can tell you that he is also an incredible, incredible tour guide, and the name of the organization is Aleh. That is Aleh.org. They are not affiliated with the Aleh Foundation in Brooklyn. I want to make that very, very clear from the beginning of our conversation. Aleh.org. Right. That's www.aleh.org. And Dove and I met a number of weeks ago when I had the opportunity to tour the facility in Yerushalayim, and I had this personalized tour. Dove took me around what is honestly one of the most moving experiences that I had that trip, and frankly, an experience that lasted with me for a very long time. Well, thank you very much. It was an honor and a privilege to have you uh, visit our uh, facility. No, it, it, it's really incredible. And, and in your, in, I'm going to read off of the website simply because it is just probably the most succinct way of describing Aleh. But Aleh is Israel's largest network of residential facilities for children with severe physical and cognitive disabilities. They provide 650 children in Israel with high level medical and rehabilitative care in four residential facilities. The one in Yerushalayim was the one that I was able to tour, but I was fascinated to hear about the one in the Negev. Can you tell us about the one in the Negev? Absolutely. Um, Alen Negev is a, it's not a um, facility, uh, a building. It's actually a village. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, a village onto itself um, where the residents of Aleh, once they reach the age of 21 and above, um, they, the government funding pretty much uh, ends for their needs because they're no longer in school, and um, that's basically how it works. So, therefore, to be in a regular Aleh facility, it just doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't fit them properly. So we created... Um, Alain Negev, which is a, an amazing, amazing place. Um, the residents there work, uh, what we, with, with what we call our occupational therapy. Um, their days are filled with activities, therapies, and, and wonderful, wonderful experiences throughout the day. Um, they have, uh, it's, it's basically modeled on the, um, assisted living type of situation where we have um, four or five residents in a in a home in a house with a care mother and uh, a, a volunteer as well as a, another staff member there um, to make sure that everything is going smoothly and um, they have a safari out there mm. they have a, a therapeutic uh, pool and they also service the entire Negev area um, with our outpatient therapies. That's, that's all the outpatients, anybody that needs to come for any sort of therapy. Allah, on an annual basis, Allah gives over 17,000 outpatient sessions. Wow. Um, and for the Negev, we are a facility out there, so we're servicing that entire region uh, with outpatient facilities. We also have a... Um, a uh, high-dependency uh, building, which is uh, pretty much a hospital, 
um, and that's for, 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 for residents as well as, you know, people in the Negev that need to be hospitalized, but not in a hospital, you know, 24 hours a day. They need more of like a rehabilitation-type hospital. Wow. Un- unbelievable. You mentioned something, by the way, about a hydrotherapy pool. Yes. Well, explain to everyone what that is. Okay. Basically, um, hydrotherapy is a is a Miriam. I can't even I can't even begin to tell you the amazing amazing <laughs> uh, effects of hydrotherapy. It's when you know a lot of the residents that we have in our lab because of their disabilities, their bones and their muscles, you know, their their hands and their and their arms, they they turn inward and they're very um tense and they're very you know, they're very uh, stiff. That's because of the atro- and, That's because of the muscle atrophy. Yeah, yeah, and because of you know a, a lot of it. Just it's just that's that's the way it is um, with a lot of these type of uh, uh, residents and these type of people that have these unfortunate disabilities. And it's amazing to watch. I've seen it with my own eyes, and 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 I'm doing this thing God, for eight years, and not once did I ever not have tears coming out of my eyes. Mm. You see the the residents go into the swimming pool and and it's like a butterfly. Their their hands open up and their their legs spread out and the smile and the joy, it's it's mind boggling. Um, I invite everyone to go onto uh to uh, onto our website and there's a video there about a particular um, resident. His name is uh, Shalev, and uh, there's a video about him. His whole story about Shalev and how hydrotherapy has helped him so much. And the fact that hydrotherapy has helped him and why it's such an amazing story is because Shalev became unfortunately disabled because he drowned in a pool. Mm. And uh, it, was a big, it was a big decision on the staff's part and on the parents' part to, you know, reintroduce him to the swimming pool. Um, to see if because they they thought it might be too traumatizing, right? But in fact, it's it's been one of the most crucial uh, therapeutic uh, parts of his, you know, potential development. That's incredible. It is a it is a very yeah. bold, a gutsy move to return him to the water. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and obviously it was you know thoroughly thought out and discussed with uh, with all the professionals that are involved. Right to make sure that it would be something that would uh, be most beneficial. And I imagine that with, besides the physical um, the, the physical benefits that he has clearly um, experienced and gained from going back in the water, but the, but the ability for him to emotionally conquer his fear, is he at a, um, is he at a development point where he's able to appreciate overcoming that fear? I'm not. I'm not sure with this particular resident. I, I can't say for certain. Um, you know, it's it's like when it's like when you were visiting. You know, we were we explained to you that uh, you know a lot of the residents we we're not sure how much they're understanding and right. how much. Oftentimes, I'm I'm showing I'm taking people on a visit to our facility. And, and they ask me, you know, you're sitting here and you're teaching them about the Chagim or you're teaching them about Shabbat. How much are they actually gaining? Mm. How much are they actually, you know, understanding? Right. To be honest, we don't know. But we, we feel that they, they deserve to have everything like every other child in the world. And, and, and we don't hold back from anything. Um, you know, one of the things that I get a lot, I mean, thank God, and I'll discuss this with you if we have a minute. Sure. Uh, the volunteer, the volunteers, right. volunteers that that we have, volunteers that come from all over the world. Um, I'll give you uh, one quick example. We have a volunteer that comes every single summer. Him and his son. It's an artist. He's a he's he's a gentleman in his thirties, his forties. Comes with his son, who's about uh, fifteen, sixteen. They come all the way from Alaska. They sit on an airplane for 24 hours. No way. And they, yes, and they spend two months. That's what they do with their summer vacation. They spend two months volunteering at Alaska. Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. But oftentimes I get um, emails from people all, all over the world, and they ask me, um, you know, Dove, I really want to volunteer. I just I don't speak Hebrew. Like, is that okay, you know? Mm. So my answer to them is, 
majority of our residents, unfortunately, don't speak Period. any language. Right. But the but the language that they do speak is the language of the heart. Hmm. And if you if you show them love, and if you smile, and if you give them of yourself and of your heart, that's all you need to do. They'll be they'll be uh, you know they'll be set to go. And that's even in the classrooms, and even we don't know if they're understanding the concept of Shabbat of Chagim, but the way the teacher presents it, and the way they you know everything is is sensory and tactile, and and you know to show them, and this is what the Mayan feels like. Wow. And this is what uh, this is what you know the 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 towel that you dry your hands at and feel like you're dying. This is what it feels like, and you could see it in their face and in their eyes that that they're 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 appreciating it. I don't want to say the word understanding because we don't know if they're right. understanding, but they're certainly appreciating it. Right. Dove Hearth is part of the marketing and development development team. I guess we should put it that way at Aleh yeah. at dot org dot org sharing with us all the wonderful things or some of the wonderful things that happen every single day at Aleh, some of which I was able to even see for myself. I know that that um, there was some kind of involvement in the Jerusalem Marathon with Aleh, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Last year was our first year in the Jerusalem Marathon. We approached the um, organizers of the marathon, um, and uh, we told them that we want to uh, include the children of Aleh. And they not only were so excited about it, but they made, they created a track on the marathon just for our residents. No way. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they, they put it together. One of our residents, um, Chaim, was such a sweet, sweet, delicious boy. He, he was not able to walk for years and years and years. And after rehabilitation and working with him, you know, he, he, he's now able to walk with assistance of whether it's a walker or, or a staff member. Amazing. And he actually walked the entire, um, you know, uh, the entire track. track that they gave for us. It was a huge accomplishment for him and for us. It was, it was tremendous. Um, this year was the same. Uh, they gave us, um, they gave us this, this track and there were tons and tons of people that came out in support and, um, uh, you know, Daron Almog, who's a, uh, general, uh, who was a general in the army. He's also the chairman of Alenegev. Um, the mayor, uh, near Barkat, he was there as well. Mm. So many people sat by, uh, to give support and to, to, to walk or run with the kids. It was really an incredible, incredible experience. That's beautiful. And uh, I mean, I can, I can sympathize with anybody whose name you just mentioned, because I know that after touring the facility, I mean, there's there's nothing there's nothing that I wouldn't do to be able to help. There's no way you can see what goes on at Aleh and not want to be a part of it. Right, absolutely. And there's so many, so many ways to help. Um, I want to tell you something about, you know, Aleh. Uh, in general, our overhead in all of our offices in the United States in England, in Canada, is so minimal. In in the United States, we have only one employee who manages the entire office, and she works out of her home, so we don't pay literally any overhead except for, you know, a, a, a small salary. Um, in Canada, we are very, very fortunate. We have wonderful people who the entire operation in Canada is all done through volunteers. Um, it's a... It's a, it's a a gentleman who, uh, who runs a very successful company, and he designated one of his secretaries to be the Aleph secretary. No way. And that's all she. Yeah, huh. yeah. That's incredible. That's her. That's her, that's her job. And then in, in England, it's, it's, it's the same situation. We have two wonderful people who work very, very hard for the organization on a volunteer basis, um, and uh, you know, it's one of the things that we really do take pride in that, like, literally every penny of every dollar is going to the children. It's not going to, you know, uh, gas bills and lighting bills and, and rent, none of that stuff. We're very into making sure that the money that people give, we're so appreciative that people are contributing to our organization. And when they do, we want to make sure that Literally every penny is going to the kids. And I don't want people to think that the facility itself is anything less than stellar or high tech or high grade because it no. is, because it is. And also one of the things that you pointed out to me 
which um, which really has also stayed in my mind, is the fact that each child's bed is made for him or her. Each child has his or her own space. Exactly, exactly. It's very, very, very individualized. Um, one of the main things that anyone who comes to the facilities, regardless of it's Jerusalem, Gedera, B'nai Barak, or the Negev, they are always, always struck by the cleanliness and mm, the, sure. the attention to deep the attention to detail, um, you know, that if, if, if the bed is, is not straight, you'll see a, a staff member walking over and straightening it out. Um, you know, if there's, you know, something on the floor, it doesn't matter if it's a cleaner or the director of the facility, the, you know, the person will bend down and pick it up. Um, you know, it's for these children, for these young adults that, that live in our lives, this is their homes. Right. And and we work very very hard to make it the home. We have pictures of the kids throughout the facilities on the walls, just like excuse me, just like somebody would at home. You have pictures of your kids, of your you know your family next to everybody's bed. Um, there's a, a a bulletin board that has pictures of their families, and some some families put up pictures of their you know admorim uh, uh, or their their rebbies, mm. whatever it is. Um, really to make it very, very home, home feeling. How does a family reach Allah um, in order to bring you their child in the first place? Okay, that's an excellent question. Allah, unlike, it's not like a school where, you know, you just go in and you apply and then, you know, we decide if it's, everything is run through the Israeli government. Everything is run through the Ministry of Health um, and Welfare. Meaning that, let's say there's a child who needs to uh, come to Allah. So we're 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 the, we're the last people that to know about it. Meaning, the doctor first makes the recommendation, then a social worker goes down to the goes down to the house and talks to the parents and and and, and discusses the different options mm-hmm. for them, whether it's Allah or or, or another facility. Um, and then they, they go through the child's medical history and whatnot, and then they make the decision of, you know, is Allah going to be the, the right place or, or perhaps somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's pretty much how it works. And one of the things, I, that, one of the things that, that I just want to point out, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, was that, the, the, that familial involvement in the care of the child, even if the child is located and, and taken into an Allah facility, is is integral. Parental involvement is integral. This is not a situation where a child is removed from a home and Allah is um, a blockade, so to speak, between the family no. and between the family and the child. This is seen as a, as a group effort, and that every single Absolutely. part, every single member of this child's family, both their Allah family and their biological family, are integral parts of this child's Absolutely. rehabilitation. Absolutely, absolutely. To the fullest extent, we have, um, you know, we have social workers that work very, very hard with the families. That's their main focus, and they have, um, you know, uh, group therapy for the parents, for grandparents, for siblings, for aunts and uncles. We work very hard with the families to always keep them involved. Anything and everything that's going on in the facility. Um, whether it's something that we're doing special for a Chag, mm-hmm. if it's, uh, you know, Hanukkah time, every single night of Hanukkah, all the families are invited to come light candles with the, with the, and we always have somebody special coming, whether it's a, you know, a special singer or, or somebody from the government, um, somebody always accompanies and makes it, you know, a little bit more exciting. Um, but the families are very, very involved. Uh, we have, you know, and we want the families to be involved. We want them to know that, you know, uh, your your child is still your child. Right. Um, one of the and 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 we're here for you, and we're working on this together. That's one of the main things. Allah, the facilities are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Unbelievable. And as it, as I told you this um, when you were visiting, it's not rare that you could be walking down the hall of the residential facility, um, you know, at 11 o'clock at night. And you'll see a, a mom sitting there with her baby, mm. or you know, or a dad coming on his way home from Meyer if he just wants to give his son a goodnight kiss. Wow! Um, because and and it's you know, for a lot of these families, the reason why they have to turn to Allah is, is to care for their ch- 
children at home, it's just not possible. Right. Um, it's just not physically and, and monetarily and even, you know, space-wise in the house for the machines and the feedings and everything like that. It's just not possible. But they're, you know, Alet is there for them. And we're, we're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're here. You can come in. You could, you know, visit. The doors are never locked. That's it's it's really it's really quite moving. And one thing I want people to know, and and we um we have about five minutes left, and I want to make sure to include this that um located centrally in the center of town, as you are, so to speak, at Knisala Ir, I should say, is probably a better way to describe right. it. You are near the bridge. You are near the famous footbridge that now uh, exactly. it, it adorns the Jerusalem skyline. Um, as you, as you, uh, get into, as you enter Yushalayim and you now notice, I mean, it wasn't there, wasn't there a number of years ago, but it's there now. The, what I like, I mean, I happen to like it a lot. I know that a lot of Jerusalemites are anti the footbridge, but the beautiful white footbridge that, um, that you pass through and that you see when you come into Jerusalem now is right near the Aleph facility. And it is actually something that you take advantage of. Um, and you will be taking advantage of for your annual Pesach March. Absolutely, 100%. The so Pesach tell us about March, that. The Pesach March is incredible. Um, one of the things that we do at Ale, besides for working with the children and the, and the parents, is also we're very involved with the community, community as a whole. Integration, the community should see the, the, you know, the, 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 the kids, and they should, you know, get involved and be part of it. And um, the march is just one of the ways that we are able to do this. Um, it's, this is our fourth year that we're doing it. It's going to be on the first day of Chalamoid for Israelis. So if you're American and you're keeping two days, it's not so good this year. But you could still walk over and join. You just, you know, can't drive over. <laughs> anyway, if, you're, if you're an American, um, if you're an American holding two days, it's not good any year. But anyway. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, but it's going to be this year from 3.30 to 6 o'clock. Now, basically what we do is the police, um, close off two major streets in your Shalayan on Chalmite, which is huge, huge, right, huge. Right, right, Um, to do. And, we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, friends of our list, staff members, families, community members. They all come out. We all march from the LF facility with the wheelchairs and the walkers. Um, and we, we, we march from the facility all the way down the street over the bridge. Unbelievable. Um, when, we, when we get to the center of the bridge, um, everybody's holding a balloon. And um, they, they, uh, you know, they. Somebody on the loudspeaker says, like, uh, you know, gives like a, a bracha for hatzlacha, and everything should be good, and whatever. And then they, they all release the balloons, which is like really a beautiful, beautiful sight. Right. Um, and then underneath the bridge, there's like a, an area uh, that we set up music and dancing. And you know, I've been there. I've been there all the years, and it's unbelievable. You see people just stopping their cars on the highway, looking for a parking spot, mm-hmm, getting out mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. getting in, you know? That's amazing. And, and yeah, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. Well, that is, um, that sounds, it sounds amazing. It's something I would like to see, please God, one day for myself, but I am definitely looking forward to seeing pictures. It's almost your own little Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, so to speak. Exactly, right. It's um, it, but it sounds incredibly beautiful, and and I can only imagine how many smiles it brings both to the to the members of Allah, to the to the kids who are being serviced by Allah, and also by their to their families. It is must be a very unifying experience. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. If I have another twenty seconds, I just want to say that there are uh, there are so many ways to help Allah, whether it's with volunteering, whether it's with um. You know, showing your support through uh, generous contributions. Um, one of the main things, and something so beautiful that we have, is the Bar Bat Mitzvah program. Right. Um, where where the name Mitzvah Bar Bat Mitzvah children could either twin with an Aleh resident, which has been so successful, or they can do any sort of project um, with you know with within their community for uh, you know, and the proceeds go to Aleh. I showed you when you were when you were by us the Aleb B'nai Mitzvah tree, mm-hmm. um, where, which has all the names of all the kids from all over the world who have done something for Aleb. 
um, in honor of their bar or bat mitzvah, and it's such an incredible, incredible way of, you know, entering into adulthood with that first huge mitzvah. So it's really something special. And anything and any, uh, uh, any information that you need about our organization can be found on our website, www.aleh.org. And um, we'd love to uh, have anyone come and visit. Any questions you have, we're always available. And uh, I would also encourage everyone, by the way, to click on, when you go to the Aleh website, again, it's aleh.org, when you go to the Aleh website, you should click on the tab that says Aleh Boutique. It's really quite incredible, the different products that are made, uh, handcrafted um, or designed by the children and the young adults at Aleh. And um, I personally purchased a number of different items, including um, a beautiful Ramon, a, a ceramic pomegranate, which um, I keep in my home. It is part of my pomegranate collection, and it has the Aleh stamp on the back. So this one means a little bit more and a little bit different than all the other ones I have in my collection. So I want to I want to thank yeah. you. I want to thank you for introducing me to the Aleh boutique and thank you for my tour of Aleh and um and again thank you for joining me today. Um kolakavod to you and to everyone at Aleh for the wonderful things that you do. Aleh.org for anyone um who has um as as we'd like to say, all donations are gratefully accepted. So anything that you can give, right? Is that a good way of putting it? All donations, yes. exactly. Yes. So if you go to aled.org, it will it will direct you as the numerous um, opportunities that people have to give, both big and small. And trust me when I tell you, I've seen it with my own eyes. It really is worth it. Dove Herth, thank you so much for all your time, and echad kasher v'sameach. And I'm looking forward to seeing pictures from your march. Okay, amazing. Thank you, Miriam. Chag and uh, have a wonderful, relaxing, enjoyable paper. Ah, thank you, sir. You too. All right, we'll be in touch. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my third and final interview is somebody that we met of all places at Cedar Market. Sam, are you there? I don't know. I am, I am here. There you are. Hello, Sammy Schachter. Sammy Schachter was somebody that um, I literally... Uh, bullied, tri- tripped over. I don't even know how to. No, nah, it was a mutual. I was happy to participate. You, I just needed someone to ask. Me. You were amazing. Anyway, Sammy Schaffer <laughs> was one of our participants when Daniel Gordon hosted the stunt show um, from Cedar Market, which seems like forever ago. And we did the prices right. <laughs> and Sammy was our second contestant, and he was absolutely wonderful. And played along and did so many things. And you know what's funny, Sammy? So, of course, having you on today was a given because you were such a hit and a great participant that day. I appreciate it. Always, always glad to entertain. Now, it seems like you really are always glad to entertain. There are so many different fun things that, that you're involved in. But what's funny is that after the show, after we were done recording the show at Cedar Market, I said to Nahum, I'm like, you're not going to believe this guy that we met. And he says to me, he looks at me like I'm crazy. He's like, are you kidding me? I said, no. He goes, don't you remember him from the Yachad weekend when we were in Florida? And I, <laughs> and I said, I, I don't remember my name at the beginning and ended every single day. So he's like, Miriam, Sammy Schachter is hysterical. He was one of the funniest guys. He just stood out that whole weekend and made everyone laugh. So, oh, man. I, I'm flattered and honored. That's yeah, so funny. Seriously. I mean, you really made an impression that day. I, you know, you never know who's watching, so you always got to be careful, and I guess this just proves that point. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm definitely into the uh, you never know who's watching. but <laughs> Or listening in this case. Or Exactly, or listening. So Sammy Schachter has so many different things going on, and one of the things that um, that I want to make sure to highlight is, yes, you are a YU grad, and, and, we, and we're obviously YU alum here and very proud, but you work oh, yeah. full-time for Sinai Schools. As an yeah. aid, teacher, and special programmer, tell us about that. So, yeah, I work at Sinai Schools over here. Um, there's a number of them around. Um, I work at the one at TABC. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I've been here for, you know, I started midway through the year, actually. Um, but So it's been a little over two months. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, but I love it here. It's really, it's an incredible, incredible atmosphere. The team here is amazing. Everyone, you know, looking out for each other, be it students, be it staff, you know, you have, you know, when you have a staff who's so, have their passion and their goals so, you know, set, uh-huh. it's really just an incredible atmosphere to work in that, you know, no matter, some days are more difficult, some days are, you know, a little more relaxed, you know, every day is different. There's always exciting times here at Sinai Schools, um, and it's just an incredible cast here from teachers, students, 
you know, when you when you have everyone here working together, and like I said, sometimes it's more difficult, but, you know, at the end of every day, um, you know that everyone's, you know, here for the same purpose and mm. here to accomplish those incredible goals of, you know, helping our students grow, helping our staff grow. Um, and it's just, it's just, a, it's just a fun place. You know, who needs Disneyland when you got Sinai schools? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say who needs, uh, who needs Disneyland, uh, period, but that would be me. Cause, uh, right. Right. Well, I mean, coming from Los Angeles, I, I would have to be honest and say that my childhood and adulthood, um, would not be the same without Disneyland or Disney, but that's a, that's another conversation. <laughs> How much did you enjoy being raised in LA, living in LA? I mean, I love, I loved it. I had, I was, Baruch Hashem, very blessed with an incredible family. My parents, um, a younger brother and younger sister. Um, the weather's great. And, I, you know, I, it's funny. I've been in New York, living in New York for, you know, close to five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been a little chilly, I'd, I'd say. <laughs> and, you know, when it gets to that, you know, when it's like 50, you know, even the low 50s, you know, everyone's, oh, it's gorgeous out. It's a beautiful day. And, I caught myself saying that once, and I was like, wait, 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 no, 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 shoot, I didn't mean that. It's not gorgeous. It could be so much nicer, right. you know, but the weather is great. You know, the Jewish community there is incredible. You should know um, that my, my next-door neighbor is originally from L.A., and he's he's been living in New York for a long time, but every time we're outside shoveling, every time we're outside shoveling, I hear him, like, saying to his wife, if we lived in L.A., oh, I wouldn't be shoveling. Yeah, if we lived in, if we you know, lived in L.A., when, exactly. I love the snow. I when I was in NYU, when, it, when there were snowstorms, you know, I was loving it. I was out there. Sometimes my roommate had to chase me outside because I just would just run out without a coat. Uh. And he'd be like, Sammy, you need a coat. You need a coat. I'd be like, I don't want a coat. There's snow. <laughs> you know, and I would try to explain it to people. You know, my first year, second year, third year in NYU, they'll be like, I don't understand. Why are you so excited? It's just snow. So I'd, I'd tell them, be like, well, let me, let me put this into perspective for you. How old were you when you had your third snow winter? They're like, Three, right? You know, like, like that's a silly question. So I say, okay, well, this is my third. So imagine a three-year-old. Try to explain to a three-year-old, you know, that snow isn't exciting. Of course it's exciting, but you know, now that I'm starting to work and I got to travel in it, yeah, I'm starting to really understand why people don't really like it so much. Yeah, it has its moments. It it definitely has its moments. But two of my roommates in college were from L.A. and so um, I I particularly understand being your roommate. And saying uh, you need to, you can't go outside without a coat because there's always that, um, you know, the little kid who's really the adult who's running outside in the snow, and you gotta, you gotta sort of reel oh, them yeah, back in. Absolutely, because he, well, he knows. On, there's a few sides to it. On one hand, you know, he's a grown man, quote unquote. You know, my roommate Sammy can do whatever he wants. <laughs> on the other hand, it's inter- also it's entertaining for him, you know, to see me playing in the snow, and he gets a good kick out of it. But the flip side, though. I get sick, he's gonna want. He's gonna be the one that has to take care of me. Yeah, you know? or, or so you're gonna get him sick. Things or, going on there. Exactly. It's you are you are the gift in that situation. You are the gift that keeps on giving. But um, right. exactly. But tell me also, you have a very special role this summer. Um, something called the uh, head of ruach and spirituality at Camp La Vie. I would probably argue that this is probably like your dream job or title. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, the truth is. Um, it's a relatively new thing that came up. Um, I was at, actually, you know, to go back to come full circle, I was at the uh, Yachad Marathon in, in this past February, um, and I was talking to my good friend Yoel Sturman, who Woo-hoo! works at Camp Levine. Yeah, we're, and, big, we're big Yoel Sturman fans, by the way. Oh, as am I, as am I. Hey, y'all, how you doing? <laughs> um, so, and he was, he was talking a little, he asked me what I'm doing, and I said, you know, I have a, I'm working at a two-week Yachad summer program in the beginning, but I'm still looking for something. He goes, Oh well, you know, come to La Vie. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you maybe give me a little bit more information than right. just, just come to La Vie. Um, <laughs> although, you know, I'm happy to do anything Yoel tells me to do. But um, he's like, no, they're really they're looking for uh, someone to lead, you know, ruach and spirituality, and I feel like it's right up your alley. And we spoke a little bit about it, and you know, chick chat, bada bing, bada boom, and I had the job. Um, so I'm really excited. That's I, amazing. to be completely honest, I don't really know much about Camp La Vie. Um, I haven't been there before. Um, but from what I hear, it's an incredible place, um, and there's like, some amazing opportunities for me um, to hopefully give over my ruach. You know, my ruach. I don't know if it's it's biologically contagious, my ruach, <laughs> but um, I will try to give it over as best as I can. You know, for me, there's nothing like a good zimmer, nothing like a good Shabbos circle dance. You mm-hmm. know, um, 
you know, going back to someone's always watching, you know, I sometimes forget that when I'm just, sometimes I'll be singing and dancing to myself and people will kind of point it out to me and be like, you know what? I love singing. I love dancing. I love Ruach. I love Shabbos. You know, life's great. Right. You know, you just got to keep dancing to your own song. And if people want to join in, more than welcome. Right. You know, the, the classic Jewish circle dance is not difficult to learn. I'll tell you that much. I could argue, I guess I, I guess I could argue that you could be known for worse things than loving oh. Shabbos and loving Ruach and loving to true. sing and dance. Very true. My, the, my big, one of my biggest, I don't know if Yetzirah is the word or challenges, is in the once in a blue moon time that I'm at someone's house for a Shabbos and not on a Shabbaton, I have to, you know, take, it takes all the strength in the world to hold myself from standing up on their chair and, you know, <laughs> starting Shabbos, you know, oh, like, Sammy, like, you got to behave. you got to behave. You're an adult, real people, you know. But, you know, there are some times where I will get them to allow me to stand on the chair, you know, but, you know, you got to be careful. Right. Well, I will tell you, you're welcome at the Wallachs any time, but you may not stand on my chairs. I will, I can take off my shoes. Oh, no, my, no, no, that's no. also not okay. See, we don't stand. This is what I tell my kids. We do not stand on the furniture. Okay. I understand. Well, there are other ways to enjoy ruach and singing even if there are no chairs to be stood on. Well, I also want to make sure to point out that you are National Ruach Coordinator for Yachad as well, which um, they are clearly using you and taking the best advantage of you possible. Um, (laughs) And and just to wrap it up, because we only have a minute, and Avrami's giving me that, you know, you have to wrap it up right now, is that you're a (laughs) member of Pella Singers. I am in Pella Singers, yes, I am. And you write Jewish parodies. I do write Jewish parodies. I'm trying to work on getting them out to the public. You know, so if by any chance I'm on a radio station and people are listening, maybe that would be a good idea, good way to get it out. But yeah, I, you know, I, I do it as a hobby. I love singing. I love, you know, you know, educating in, in interesting, exotic, unique ways. Um, so I find them parodies, you know, classic, you know, um, hit songs of today and tying them into, um, you know, Jewish concepts. For example, you know, the Miley Cyrus, Can't Wait to See You Again. I, I write, I Can't Wait to Say I'm In. Um, that's nice. You know, instead of one direction, that's what makes you beautiful. It's Irata Shemi Titalal, song about Aisha Chayel. Wow. Um, Taylor Swift, Trouble. It's about Moshe encountering Paro. And Moshe knew as soon as he walked in, he was trouble, you know. That is um, cool. That is cool. Well, I will tell you, you should definitely send us some clips and I will see what I can do for you. Sammy Schachter, it is a pleasure. Good to have you on, and I want you to know I put you down as funny boy Sammy Shafter, and I think you live up to that <laughs> reputation. It's an open invite. Please join me Thank back you here on the so, air. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate My it. Pleasure. it so My pleasure. My pleasure. Meeting you guys last time and looking forward to talking again soon. You got it. Chag Kasher Vesameach. Chag Thanks, guys. Yeah, right, you're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to quickly go through the lineup because Avrami has given me that we got to kill it now look. And okay, I hear you. Uh, we have full afternoon of programming. That's Life will be over in just a couple of minutes, and the live lunch will start immediately thereafter from 11 to 1, followed by the stunt show at 1 p.m., hosted by Daniel Gordon, then starting at 2 p.m., Throwback Thursday, encoring Jamie and A.M. from years past by the book. Uh, with the Haggadah, um, with the, with the Rabbi Sachs and what Nachum spoke to, uh, Rabbi Malamed and Rabbi Sachs this week. So make sure to listen to that encore today at, um, what time is that? By that's at five o'clock. Sorry, Michael Fragan at six p.m. And as always, Charlie Burnett wraps it up at seven. Nachum will be on tomorrow morning from six to nine. JM in the AM live here. Oh, it's already coming up in the background. What are we listening to, Avram? Uh, in the hands, Yom Shikulo. Who's this? Ah, by Yerachmiel. Very nice. All right, that's a good choice coming up in the background. Thank you, Avrami, for being on the money. Um, my thanks to my guests, the OU's Rabbi Eli Elef, and make sure to call the OU with all of your questions. Again, that's on Monday until 1 o'clock. Alez Dove Hurt, that's Aled.org, and funny boy Sammy Shafter. Don't miss JM and AM this Monday, broadcasting live from sunny Florida. It will be the first of our four shows that we broadcast from legendary destinations in Cape Coral, Florida. We cannot bring, wait to bring you up-to-the-moment updates of everything taking place, so make sure to tune in. I With that, I wish everyone a Chag Kosher Sameach. I leave you today with this beautiful song coming up in the back. That is Riachmiel's Yom Shekulo off of the Hands of Heaven, Biyadei Shamayim album. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
Yom Shazadi Kim, 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 Yom